Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez, and I will be bringing you daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Tuesday, December 17th, and I know Mondays can seem impossible, but it's all over now, and it's time to conquer Tuesday. Before we begin, please go ahead and give us a subscribe so I can keep you up to date on all your daily Texas news. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for even more updates and more news. Today in Texas history. On this day in 1867, Justice Julius Scott opened a drugstore in Galveston. Scott, born in Germany in 1846, came to Galveston with his family in 1851 and was orphaned two years later when both of his parents died from the yellow fever. He was just 21 when he opened the J.J. Scott Drug Company, which became the main conduit of medical supplies from Europe to other drugstores and physicians in Galveston throughout Texas. In 1869, Scott began to experiment with shickle. For several years, he imported and sold chewing gum wholesale to drug druggists throughout the country. Until Adams Chewing Company sued him for infringement of the patent, Scott won the case but did not pursue the rights further. In 1885, he ventured into another enterprise, which was Moxie, a carbonated drink popular in the North, which he distributed throughout the state. Its popularity made Scott one of Galveston's major manufacturers, and he died in 1928. He's been credited for giving us what we currently know as chewing gum and as sodas, so it was pretty interesting that he was from Texas. Also, we wanted the... A side note, one of the other great things. Now it's time for some Texas news. In Austin, days after a Texas mother and her newborn baby mysteriously vanished, her boyfriend was issued a tearful plea to their safe return. Heidi Broussard, 33, was last seen around 7.30 a.m. on December 12th when she dropped off her child at the Cohen Elementary School with her two-week-old daughter in tow. The two then returned to their Austin apartment around 7.30 a.m., but have not been seen or heard from since. Broussard's boyfriend and the newborn father, Shane Carey, begged authorities and neighbors to help search for them. Carey said he, he had last heard from Broussard, which whom he'd been in a relationship with for over a decade, around 8 a.m. on Thursday. When he returned from work around 2 p.m., he said the house was empty and Broussard's phone was off, but he thought nothing of it at the time. It wasn't until he picked up his son at school that afternoon that he noticed Broussard's car door had been left unlocked. Then he began to worry. He called the police around 7.30 p.m. after learning that no one had spoken to the 33-year-old mother all day long. There are no signs of struggle, and there's no evidence. I hate saying this, but this kind of screams foul play to me. Seems a little odd that he waited that long to call the police. Um... Considering that he had a newborn baby that was two weeks old, I'd feel like you'd be a little bit more uptight about the whereabouts of that baby, especially with the mom, too. It's, it seems a little odd. We saw a case like this in Colorado just a few months ago. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. It just seems a little bit odd. Um, I don't think I would have waited that long to call the police. Hopefully, we can get more updates on this case soon. In Corpus Christi, a U.S. permanent resident was sentenced to nearly two years in federal prison for smuggling illegal aliens. The investigation was conducted by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, in Corpus Christi. Federico Espinosa, Florida, 50, from Donna, Texas, was sentenced to 21 months in federal prison, followed by one year of supervised release 
for knowingly and intentionally conspiring to unlawfully transport illegal aliens. During the trial, the defense claimed that authorities coached Espinosa Flores on what to say in his recordings, which, de- which was a pretty detailed confession. However, the jury did not believe those claims and found him guilty as charged. At least he was to stay a, able to stay a citizen. This could have been much, much worse for him. But it just goes to show that you can't break the law and get away with it. You'll always get caught. In Upshur County, Texas, two people are dead and one woman has been treated for life-threatening injuries after an attempted double murder homicide. According to the sheriff, Larry Webb, just before 9 p.m. on Sunday night, a woman called 911 saying that someone had shot her and her adult daughter in the 6300 block of Periwinkle Road in Orr City. When deputies arrived on the scene, they found the daughter dead in the front yard and the mother inside with life-threatening injuries. Webb said someone had attempted to flee the property in a truck. As they tried to converge on the vehicle, they heard a gunshot from inside the truck. Deputies found the person had died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. No one else was inside the truck. The mother was taken to Good Shepherd Medical for treatment, and authorities have not released any of the identities of those involved. Obviously a super sad case. Um, If we get the identities and we get more on the story, I'll definitely give you more information. It's kind of a weird thing, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to get some more information and keep you up to date on it. In Houston, the FBI said a teenager has been arrested after trace amounts of mercury spilled at three locations, leading to dozens of people being contaminated by mercury. The agency's Houston office said Christopher Lee Milder, 19, has been charged with burglary and unlawful disposal of hazardous materials. The Houston Fire Chief Sam Pena said the situation is under control and the crews were cleaning up the spills, but one woman was taken to the hospital because she was pregnant. 30 to 60 people were asked to take decontamination showers. You may be thinking, what's the big deal with mercury? Well, if you like to use your body, you should stay away from mercury when you're exposed to it. It's a neurological deterrent. What it does is it starts to decay the connections from your synapses and you start to lose function of your body. Parts of your limbs go numb. It affects your nervous system really bad. It's also really bad for your reproductive system, especially when you're pregnant. It can have uh, physical disabilities in the children that you're going to bear. It's it's a pretty, pretty nasty thing to think that it's in a lot of stuff that we use currently um, is crazy. But... That's why you shouldn't drop it on purpose in front of people. Um, he definitely got what he deserved. This is, could have been a much, much more dangerous than it was. So it, it's a big deal, and that kid's an idiot. In Barrett, Texas, Malcolm Barrett enters Journey Inn Cemetery and walks up to a rusted grave marker and a vase of pink and white flowers. The grave is for Harrison Barrett, a former slave and his great-grandfather. The cemetery is located on a land acquired decades ago by Harrison Barrett, and his great-grandson now owns it. He plans to expand the historical museum that was once located there. His aunt has established its historical items, such as samples of cotton, an old quilt from the 1920s, a plow from the farm, to showcase as as contributions to other families that have made it out of their small community. As a culture of people, people look for where we've come from and where we stand in history, said Malcolm Barrett, 59. We need to always remember that we've always been a people who held their own and had their own. Barrett in northeast Harris County is among more than 500 freedom colonies scattered across Texas. 
established by freed slaves in the years of the Civil War, these communities had their ups and their downs, with some struggling in recent decades. Barrett, for example, is striving to attract new residences and new businesses to the town. In Freedman's Town in Houston, Fourth Ward, many of the historical structures are gone, wiping away history and memories for many. For one businessman, it is restoring seven homes as part of a multi-million dollar project aimed at preserving a row of historical houses. The future of some of such communities is keen interest to Andrea Roberts, a Fort Bend County native, Texas A&M University professor who's placing communities on an interactive map as part of a Texas Freedom Colonies project. Roberts stated the project in 2014 and or started the project in 2014. This past summer received $50,000 grant from the National Trust of Historic Preservation to continue her efforts. She describes how some freedom colonies were thriving, but others were still needing of some like water systems, infrastructures, assistance for securing grants, and access to funds for disaster recovery from hurricanes and all of the flooding that happens in Houston and in these areas. Um, these areas are known for surviving the Jim Crow era and the violence of the Ku Klux Klan. And before, the freedom colonies had to have to be hidden because the people in the white sheets would always come and kill them for having land or for massing capital, which kept these communities from thriving. It's more than a century ago that Harrison Barrett purchased his family's land, one of the largest tracts ever to be bought by a former slave in Harris County. Born in Texas to parents trapped in slavery in 1845, Barrett gathered his family to settle on a land east of Santa River after the Civil War had ended. When former slaves were allowed to acquire land during the Reconstruction, this is a this is one of the things that I talked about a couple of weeks back, which is uh, the gentrification of a lot of these places in Houston, especially the Fourth Ward. Now, when I when I talked about moving a lot of these families that had been there for a long time, this is exactly what I was talking about. A lot of these families actually come from these freedom communities. These families have lived there for hundreds of years. They they were basically given that land and bought that land during the or after the Civil War. And these were all black-owned businesses. They were all basically trying to construct their own community. And a lot of times during the 19, early 1900s, those families were pushed out of those communities by the Jim Crow era and the Ku Klux Klan. Now they're trying to be pushed out by people just wanting to live in Houston. So these are really important for them to get these historical documents and to have to and to be able to basically show that these areas are a part of history because like Barrett and the Fourth Ward, these communities shouldn't be forgotten. These communities should be helped to thrive and hopefully they can gain more access to more um, ut utilities. Like some of these places don't have running water. It's 2019, almost 2020, they don't have running water. It's really important to keep these uh, stories of our past alive. So if you're ever in the area, I would check this place out. It's got a bunch of historical significance, especially if you're from the South, Texas. There's tons of these areas here. Here in Victoria, we still have tons of plantation houses. We have schools that were from the Civil War era still standing. And a lot of these places are historical mar monuments, so they can't be gentrified because um, Victoria is growing and it's growing at a rapid rate. So it's it's important for these families to keep these communities alive. So it's good to see this. If you're in the area, you should check it out. It's pretty beautiful. It's got a lot of history.
It's almost the end of the year, and 2020 is right around the corner, and with the new year comes new laws. And I wanted to break down some of these new laws for you. Some of these may affect some of you. Some of these may not. These all go into effect January 1st. Now, there's a new law called the Harassment at Colleges and Universities. Senate Bill 212 requires employees of public, private, or independent higher education institutions to report allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault, dating violence, or stalking against a student or employee to the institution's Title IX coordinator. The law will also make it a Class B misdemeanor when an employee who's required to make the report fails to do so. It's enhanced. It's an enhancement to a Class A misdemeanor if the employee intended to conceal the incident or if he or she required to report and doesn't. The, uh, they cannot... This is... This is a really, really interesting law, and I'll tell you why. A lot of times in these colleges, especially when you got a lot of hazing, you got a lot of people uh, doing stuff that that is illegal. There's a lot of date rape. There's a lot of these weird stuff going on in these colleges and these universities that aren't reported because some of these colleges and universities, they're leery of marking their – are giving their, their – I guess you would say about making them look bad. Unfortunately, that hurts people when you do that. So now that they're holding these institutions accountable by giving them Class B and Class A misdemeanors, it's it's huge. It means that if they hear something or if it's reported and they don't report it, they could go to jail too. This is huge for the colleges, and this is a really good law. This goes in effect January 1st. Now we have another one that's called the Post-Disaster Taxes. House Bill 492 will allow a temporary property tax exemption for a portion of the appraised value of a certain property that was damaged by a governed declared disaster area, the tax exemption is affected by local governing body chooses to adopt it within 60 days of the governor's disaster declaration. This is huge for, for South Texas. We, being a, a place where we get a lot of floods, we get a lot of hurricanes, um, being able to be tax exempt for, for a portion of the appraisal while you're doing all the repairs saves a ton of money and a ton of time. Now, we have another one that's a really interesting law, which is a personal data breaches law. House Bill 4390 amends the business and the commerce code by setting a deadline for when a person who conducts business in Texas or who owns a licensed computerized data with sensitive personal information has to notify individuals of a security breach. The person conducting the business will have up to 60 days after the breach to report it. If the breach involves at least 250 Texas residents, the person conducting business must also notify the attorney general of the incident and the measures it's taking to handle the breach. We live in a different world now, a world where identities are stolen by emails, by transactions online, and it's pretty easy to do things like that. So instead of these big companies being hiding these data breaches, they have to report it within 60 days. I still think the 60 days is too long. I think it should be 14 days, but at least they're being held accountable now. That's another really good law, and that's a law that is... Uh, present with our time. Now, here's a law that's going to kind of upset some people. The bingo fees law. House Bill 914 amends the Bingo Enabling Act by eliminating the 5% prize fee for non-cash prizes that are valued for more than $5. The bill will also require licensed authority organizations that conduct bingo to collect 5% fee on cash prizes and pay 50% on the fees collected to the Texas Commission Lottery on a quarterly basis. Counties and cities can opt in to receive prize fees as well. Now, this is only going to make the people that own these businesses upset. And we know how big bingo is in Texas. 
um interesting but um it affects others and it it affects the businesses more now we have another one it's called the complaints against nonprofit health groups house bill 1532 will require nonprofit health organizations to develop anti-retaliation policies for physicians and submit benign reports to the Texas Medical Board. On September 1st, 2019, this bill also amended that the Medical Practice Act to require Texas Medical Board to accept and process complaints against a certified nonprofit health organization in the same way it would complaints against a health professional. The TBMB can refuse to certify, revoke the certification, or impose an administrative penalty against any of these organizations, organizations that violate the act. Now we have another one that affects a lot of people in South Texas, which is called the flood funds. Senate Bill 7 will create a flood infrastructure fund, a Texas infrastructure resiliency fund that can be used by the Texas Water Development Board to help local governments with matching federal funds used for flood research, planning, and mitigation projects following disastrous events such as Hurricane Harvey. Uh, if you live in the Houston area, you know how big this is. If you live in Victoria, where you, if you live anywhere by the Rio Grande River, flooding is a big thing for us. This helps us be able to have more money to build a better infrastructure to stop the flooding. Because the flooding is, is a huge deal in Texas, South Texas anyway. Now, I do have a little bit of NFL news, not a ton of news. Um, last night, Drew Brees passed Peyton Manning for the most career touchdown passes thrown with 540. This is a huge accomplishment for Drew Brees. If you're not a big football fan, you don't really know a lot about what Drew Brees has been through. But Drew Brees was kind of thrown away at, at one point in the NFL where they thought that he would not recover from his injuries. He definitely recovered to have the most touchdown passes thrown by an NFL quarterback. That's super, super big for Drew Brees. I'm really proud of him. He's a Texas boy. That's why I had to mention this today. Really cool for Drew Brees. It's going to be hard to, to, to beat that. I don't really see any quarterback doing that anytime soon other than Tom Brady if he can actually uh, get a wide receiver to throw to. And now it's time for good old Texas tradition. Here's today's weather report. It's going to be a beautiful... Mostly sunny day in Houston. We got a high of 54 and a low of 37. San Antonio is going to have a high of 56 and a low of 30. Dallas has a high of 51 and a low of 32. Austin has a nice day ahead of itself with a high of 56 and a low of 31. El Paso is going to be bright and sunny today. Got a high of 46 and a low of 24. And Brownsville, thank goodness it's finally cold there for you. Got a high of 62 and a low of 43. Victoria is mostly sunny today with a high of 58 and a low of 30, which reminds me, I need to cover some plants. Plashes is going to be partly cloudy today, but it also will have a high of 55 and a low of 33. Marfa is going to be bright and sunny today. It's going to have a high of 43 and a low of 16. Whew. We got the next few days of cold weather. It's going to be pretty nice to, to, to be a hold, but it will warm up a little bit later on in the week. Um, if I've missed your region... Please shoot me a message. I love to add it to my weather report. Like I said, it doesn't take me long to read these. So uh, just shoot me a message. I'd be, I'd be glad to add it to my weather report. Other than that, that's all for today. I really do appreciate you listening. As always, like and subscribe. And until, until tomorrow, have a great day, Texas. <laughs>